Welcome to the latest issue of China Success, a podcast designed to showcase great examples of foreign companies being successful in China. And today I'm delighted to be with Gary Beard of AH Beard, which is a phenomenal success story in China. Gary, welcome to China Success. Thank you, David, and thank you for the opportunity to, to talk about the success. Thank you. And now let, let's just start, if you wouldn't mind, just give us a little bit of history about your family business, uh, which I think is quite remarkable. I'm sure people would love to hear uh, how it came about. Well, as you say, I'm a child who goes back to the late 1800s, great grandfather coming out from a place just north of Birmingham uh, to start a new life in Australia, landed in Sydney. Um, and saw the people coming off boats with just a suitcase, as we know, still happens today, and recognised that they needed uh, cutlery, crockery, table and chairs and a bed. So that's where Pop, or great-grandfather, originally set himself up to provide for those people and had a shop on uh, Parramatta Road, uh, just opposite Sydney University. So, so from great-grandfather, two sons after that, one our our grandfather, who uh, was working in the business and uh, was an upholsterer by trade. Um, uh, so he was offered a bet to make seven beds in a week. And so he never made a bed in his life. Uh, got then to uh, sew the cover together, the old black and white butcher stripe is the best way of picturing it, and then filled it with uh, horse hair, stitched it up and made it look like a bed. And so fulfilled the first order making seven in a week. Today we make, on a good day, a good week, 10,000 a week uh, across uh, seven factories. So come a long way. So Pop uh, built it up and then Dad joined him after the Second World War. Dad was into technology and started bringing uh, the latest spring systems into Australia. Uh, one factory in a place called One to Three Park Road, San Susie. Uh, which was originally the garage at the back of the house where Pop had started, his father had started from, and then Dad built it from the, the house uh, into a factory and then expanded it onto number three Park Road and uh, grew the business very strong. Um, and then myself and my brother came along about 40-odd years ago. This is my 45th year in the game. Um, and uh, we had one factory then, and since brother and myself got together, we've grown it to seven factories across Australia, Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, Hobart, Adelaide, and Perth, and one in New Zealand, uh, and still today manufacturing Australian-made product uh, with over 450 people on the payroll. And thank God um, we have survived COVID and had great relationships with the, the likes of Harvey Norman and 40 Weeks. Um, that The business had grown from just one customer to, I think, a database now, including our entree into Asia and China seven years ago um, to probably about 2,200 accounts. Yes, and I gather about 4,000 product variations and you're the second largest manufacturer in Australia. Pardon? You're, so uh, you're, you're the second largest manufacturer in Australia, which I think is extraordinary. Um, so let's talk about your success in China, Gary, because that's the main focus here. And I've written down a few things I'd like to talk to you about. Firstly, what about your name and brand? How did that all translate into the Asian market and into China in particular? And what work did you do around localizing that for the local market? 
great question, my friend. Uh, eight years ago, I suppose, might have been nine years ago, we recognised as a board uh, that uh, the growth in the Australian community of being 22 or 23 odd million people, there wasn't much uh, opportunity for growth. And uh, we decided um, to spend over a quarter million dollars back then on a uplift of our website um, that three ladies in China, uh, one lady who was the number one salesman for Mway, another lady who was into providing bathrooms and another lady that was into providing flooring tiles, cork tiles, the best the world could offer. The three of them got together and had decided that the next wave coming to China would be Betty. Uh, and those that have had the opportunity to go to China uh, would understand that their beds are extremely firm. Uh, you might as well sleep on the floor. But they saw that as the next uh, entree uh, to the market over there. So they surfed the net, as the, <laughs> the saying goes, and it came down to finding AHBU and another company in uh, Sweden, Hastings. And between the two companies, they saw and visualized from our website uh, the quality of what we were providing to the market and suited what they looked were looking for and led to them coming and knocking on the door and saying, we'd like to sell your product, but also find out about you. So the essence of quality and the, the family uh, longevity in the game certainly gave us the opportunity, uh, the bridge into China and started with one shop. And then today we have 54 shops. Um, we provide as a manufacturer to them. We have no financial investment in the actual shops. They have created a shopping experience uh, of walking into a shop and you'll see uh, again over my shoulder, the AH Beard logo is exactly what they, you see on the front of the shop. And they portray it uh, as very much Australian made. We had the grand opportunity six years ago to have uh, John Howard and his beautiful wife, Jeanette, to come over for the opening of the first shop. Uh, the exposure we got there was absolutely fantastic, but it only has, uh, you wouldn't see a shop like it in Australia uh, or really uh, across the Western world, whereby there's only one brand in the shop and that's us. And our entry point, uh, would be a $5,000 US uh, mattress only, queen size, through to our flagship, which is a $70,000 mattress only, queen size, that they sell on average about four to six a month. Well, Gary, hold on a moment. We've got to get into this. So you're saying that the Chinese will spend $70,000 on an Australian mattress um, when we know that China is the manufacturing hub of the world. Um, and, we're, and whilst we know that they will pay premium prices for high quality goods, the cost of a lo local mattress in China would be less than $1,000. So how oh, on earth? Less than 500, less than 500. Right, Very so how on, how on earth have you been able to build up a, the value in that, uh, in that sort of pricing model? And um, amazing story. Well, uh, the true essence as, we, as we've worked with them and learned of what they're looking for was that we, our top of the range, 
has the best of the best inside it. We source our spring unit from the United Kingdom. We use springs that are used in Bentley and Rolls-Royce um, seating in a car. We use merino, alpaca, cotton, the best that we can, uh, natural fibres we can get a hold of from not just Australia, but from, from around the world, horsehair. And we tailor it and we use the manufacturing process of the way we built beds 50 years ago, probably 60 years ago. And the story that we, or more they wanted, was the genuineness of what is used inside the bed, which led us to uh, us finding the actual farm in, as an example, and we wore where the actual cotton came from so you, they could identify to the farm the integrity of the cotton, the wool from the, the farmer. And also, I learned very much that they have this picture of Australia being so clean. Uh, our beautiful blue skies and again the cleanliness uh, the the integrity of the um, raw materials we've used they in turn have created their story um, as being the world's best um, bedding product that they they can get they travel the world they go to Europe they go to America um, and have had the opportunity to get other beds brands but they decided that what comes from AHB in Australia is the best that they can get there uh, and provide to their customers. Well, it's an amazing story and a fantastic inspiration to other Australian premium product providers. But uh, it's one thing having a great product. It's another thing being able to localise your operation on the ground um, to get your local team working for you. So how have you managed some of those challenges around building a local business. You said you had over 50 showrooms in China, so you must have quite a strong team on the ground in China. To me, that this is a critical point if you want to get into China. You have to have somebody, like when they're translating from our lingo into theirs, and I've heard it can go many different ways and the message not get through. We have been blessed, I suppose, to have a gentleman who uh, Chinese originally from Beijing, uh, educated in America, uh, became a marketing professor. Um, he supplies and worked for the best um, spring manufacturer in the world called Leggett and Platt. Um, decided to go and befriend people that wanted to grow their capacity to supply other markets outside of China, so had a very good relationship with a lot of Chinese people. But having John Ding as our spokesman, he knew us, knew our family, and knew the essence of what we were in for the long haul. We weren't just in for the short haul. And that to get that message through to that they understand that, um, I think was the critical point that really gave the mass and the strength really for them to do what they did. And it's, uh, as you alluded to, 54 shops, we have one lady uh, who works out of Guangzhou, but they are so tight within themselves. They have their story that they've created about AHB product. They ask all the time for literature and photography, but they like keeping their message within themselves. And as per what we would do in Australia, we go in and train their people on the floor. That doesn't happen very much at all. Um, it's more the contact with the owners, 
who then take the message down to their people. We've been to some absolutely amazing nights of launch of products, um, but again, the being as ignorant as what we are as being Aussies and not having any real command of the, the, the Mandarin language, um, uh, the excitement that they build around the product has been absolutely fantastic. So for anybody going to China, make sure you get somebody who's a very trustworthy partner um, and can translate what you're really trying to say to them. Yes, of course. But not only um, do you need to find a good person, but you need to trust him or her, and he he or her needs to trust you because effectively you're handing over representation of your business in China to that person. So I imagine over the years you've done a lot of uh, relationship building and strengthening those kind of relationships. Yeah. Yep. yep. What sort of have you have you uh, what sort of uh, how have you approached that with building up that trust? Yes. It's <laughs> they love meetings. And a meeting will be not for an hour. A meeting will go for nine o'clock in the morning through to 12 o'clock. We stop, we go and have lunch. Uh, that'll take an hour, uh, a couple of beers over lunch. Then we'll go back to the office and, uh, and then they'll go back across what we've talked about in the morning. And your patience, because you're going through a translator all the time, you have to learn that they... I have very interested, but they, they really want to enforce because in one way, in China, not trusting anybody, I, they, they, they work very hard to build trust, but it doesn't just happen overnight. Yeah, of course, yeah. So what else in terms of your local presence? I assume you run a wholly owned, uh, a wholly owned foreign enterprise in China. So have you got some stories about this? Because a lot of people worry about moving money into China or making money in China. How do they get it out? How do they get it in? You know, can they trust the people on the ground in terms of looking after the money? Have you got any stories around running a, a, a business in China? Well, <laughs> The story behind the first going to China was we went to India, of all places, and our partner over there, um, we went to teach them how to make Innerspring beds for the Indian market and had an offshore company. Um, but the Indians are completely different to do business with, completely different. And I suppose our learnings there led us to where we are today, still today with China. We haven't set up a separate company in China or Hong Kong. We've looked at setting up in Hong Kong. Uh, but at present, we work on a, an open trading account with them uh, that they bank straight into our account uh, in US dollars. Um, and we don't have a, a, an actual office in um, China at all, or registered business. Right. So the, the, the locals effectively run a kind of representative office. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. And that representative office now has three or four people in it. Um, but they are very focused on two accounts that we have. not we don't have just one account. We have two accounts um, and another guy, another company, another family again um, uh, in China where our good friend and uh, business partner, Jerry Harvey and Katie Page have 120 shops. This gentleman has 1500 shops. So, the scale and everything else is dynamic all the time. Yeah. 
So, Gary, what about this sort of geopolitics at the moment? Like, I know that you use the Australian logo on your, the Made in Australia logo on your products. Have you had any um, uh, feedback or insights or maybe even pushback in recent times because of the Australia-China relationship? I don't think the word pushback is right. The same as what has happened in Australia with COVID and the advertising of buying and what we promote Australia made certainly has bolstered our business more so than it's ever done um, since we started with Australia made in 84 that people are asking for Australia made what we understand is happening in China there is a push from the Chinese government to focus on Chinese made and that's it's not a dispersion against Australia. I don't think, from my point of view, what I hear from the guys, it is more China saying buy Australian, uh, buy Chinese. So as we say buy Australian, they're saying buy Chinese. The beautiful part in one way to watch and being going to China for 20 odd years, they are amazingly able to adapt and improve their quality every year. And they, they're getting better and better at it. Um, where our factory uh, that we get our springs from in uh, Guangzhou. Um, next door was a paddy field that probably had 50 people working in it. Uh, and that had only be seven years ago. Today, it has the state-of-the-art Audi factory uh, producing just on 500,000 Audis for the Chinese market only and employing 7,000 people. And their whole push is to get people into jobs. Yeah. If that yeah. answers the question, I... Oh, you're right. So there's generally a pushback to foreign brands, not so much Australian brands. Yes. And as you say, like most countries, they're trying to persuade their consumers to buy the local manufactured product. And that's happening, you know, all over the world, of course. Whereas um, in Hong Kong, David, <laughs> the push is not Chinese-made, everything but Chinese-made. So there's two, two things happening. Uh, our Hong Kong business is going extremely well at the present moment, even in all the turmoil there. So uh, it's interesting to watch. And Gary, do you have any local uh, members of your team on, on the ground in China or in particular any uh, future family uh, generations? Uh, no, we do have the locals in, uh, as I said, in Guangzhou, uh, yeah. our office there. There's four people there. Um, as per my children, uh, at the present moment, uh, I think the failing of what I, I was taught Latin and French when I went to school, what a waste of time that was. That why we don't have Mandarin as a uh, uh, teaching that in schools, I still don't understand that. But uh, no, my children at the present moment love going over there and I've taken, taken them over there to feel and experience it, but uh, they're not putting their hand up to go to live in China at the present moment. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> so. If you could do it all again, Gary, your China journey, because what, what, what we're hoping from this interview is to inspire others to go to China, uh, not to fear China, to see it as a, the opportunity that it is uh, to charge premium, premium prices for high value products and services. If you could do it all again, based on what you've learned and, and your journey along the way, is there anything that you would do differently or any advice you'd give to others to help them on their China journey? If you go with the attitude and leave the legacy of not mistrust and build on something that is new and exciting and build that rapport and that trust between yourself and the people you want to do business that you want to do business with, 
Um, I well, we've found it's been very successful. And certainly the proof is there. And I, I think that for anyone thinking about doing business in China, you know, AH Beard is a fantastic example of a fourth generation Australian family uh, committed to manufacturing premium product, selling it at a very high price in China, $70,000 for a mattress. I mean, just to just to give we you an example. 70, we don't get 70000 David. No, it's okay. <laughs> Yeah, but but uh, but you know that's the kind of pricing, right? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, 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 I appreciate, no, I appreciate the fact. Uh, yeah, very, very much so. And uh, you know what? What a what a great example. It's a, a high premium price, sell on quality and value, um, and uh, deliver a great outcome via trusting the local people to be your representatives on the ground. I think it's a fantastic success story, Gary. I wish you every success. Um, please, I uh, please encourage everybody to reach out to AHB to find out more about what they do. Please um, do. But I think. But yeah, thank you. And I, I, I can't think of a better example of uh, China's success uh, than AH Beard in Australia. So, Gary, thank you for being on our podcast and best of luck for the future. Yeah, we're just releasing a new range over there called AH Beard Origins, which, again, is all natural fibres. And the interest and the excitement that we're getting from the, the Chinese customers is fantastic. So, we again, they're looking for something new all the time. Uh, they're great to work with. They are tiring in that they demand a lot, but their demands are what they see is what they need. And, and you've got to accept that, not my way. It's our way that you've got to learn with them. And that, uh, again, David, to have this opportunity, uh, we are now not just in China. We are in South Korea. We are in Thailand. Um, we are building relationships of all places in America for our brand. Um, the learnings is taking us out of uh, Australia to other parts of the world and Germany, more places to have interest in our product. That once you do go on the journey outside of Australia, we are protected so much here. Um, don't be scared, have a go and um, sell what you believe in. Well, that's a great way to finish. Thank you, Gary. And uh, thank you to all our listeners for uh, being on the China Success Podcast. Uh, please go to davidthomas.asia forward slash China Success for more information. And I look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.